Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is October 31st through November 6th, and we are in Daniel. So, Daniel. Daniel is an Israelite exile, so he was taken out of the land of Israel with his family, and they were living amongst, amongst Babylonians. And Daniel was taken out at a time when the king of Babylon started this new program for gifted youth. So he was going to bring in these gifted youth, and they were going to give them learning, and they were going to feed them, and basically raise them to be these advisors, these magi in the court kind of thing. And Daniel and some of his buddies were chosen as part of this outreach program, essentially, and they were brought into the court of the king to live, to learn, to be fed. And as part of this experience, they were given a portion of the king's meat. And the problem with this was that this meat that they were given, that Daniel was given as an Israelite, it went against the law of Moses. And Daniel was not supposed to eat it. And this is how Daniel responded when he was given this portion of the king's meat. This is Daniel chapter 1, it's verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So the prince of eunuchs was kind of the leader uh, over these youth. And the story goes that Daniel ends up doing this experiment. He eats the things he's allowed to eat. His countenance is bright, and so they let him eat what he needs to eat, and he doesn't have to break the law of Moses. But the part that I want to focus on is the part that Daniel lived his beliefs. He was living his testimony. And I think sometimes we look at Daniel and we're like, oh, he was so incredible. Look at this youth, and he was amazing. And we put him on this pedestal. And when we put him on this pedestal, what happens is we don't realize that we can do that in our own lives, and we can do that for our youth and for our children. We can set them up in the same way that Daniel was set up to succeed. So Daniel was able to live his beliefs, even though he was taken away from his family and he was put in the court of Babylon. How did he do it? How did he have this testimony? How did he have this integrity? How was he able to not falter? Because if we can figure that out, we can do that for ourselves, we can do that for our youth, for our children, for the people that we teach. Now, everyone praises Daniel, right? And they should. He was a wonderful, incredible man. Everyone praises Daniel, especially because as a young boy, <laughs> as a young boy, he was taken to live in a foreign land, and he was taken to live in the Babylonian court. He was taken away from his parents, who were teaching him his beliefs, right? And there's something incredibly instructive here. It, it was incredible and awe-inspiring that Daniel was able to live his beliefs, but it was also incredible and awe-inspiring that Daniel chose to believe it all. So if you think about the time period that they were living in, one of the signs, I guess one of the indicators that your God was real or that he was powerful was this God's ability to protect you from other countries coming in and taking over your country, <laughs> essentially, right? So for an example, we see during King Hezekiah's rule in Jerusalem, their enemies came in and they're taunting the people in Jerusalem and they're like, what do you think you're doing? You should surrender. Look at all these other people that we conquered. They were all praying to their God and their God didn't save them. Why do you think your God's going to save you, right? So it was a really big deal back then 
for your God to protect you and your land from all these other people. And so the fact that Daniel was in exile could have been a really big testimony shaker. Was his God really that powerful? I mean, he was exiled. Hadn't they been promised that they would be able to keep this land? Why had they lost this land, right? And even more than that, why was the temple allowed to be defiled and, and destroyed? Was his God really as powerful as he had always been taught to believe? And yet, despite the fact that Daniel was in exile, he was able to keep his faith. Okay? So, how? How was Daniel able to, first of all, believe, and then also to live those beliefs? I think the answer can be found in the foundation of Daniel's testimony. So, one of the things that I think we do sometimes is we base our testimonies on principles related to Christ, but we're not actually basing our testimony on Jesus Christ. So let me explain that a little bit. For example, we sometimes base our testimonies on miracles and on tender mercies, which is really, really interesting because the plan of salvation, the whole point of coming down here, was to experience difficulty and hardship so that we could grow. So if we are completely centering our testimony on this ability to avoid difficulty, we are going to be sorely disappointed and we're not going to believe in our God if that's what we're basing our testimony on, on his ability to always save us no matter what the circumstances. Now, tender mercies, I don't want you to get the wrong idea of what I'm trying to share, share here. So tender mercies and miracles, we should pray for them, right? We should pray for them. And they do matter to the Lord, whether they're big or small, what we need, it matters to the Lord. And we should thank him for giving us tender mercies and miracles. And they can be part of our testimony, right? We can believe and say, I have a testimony that the Lord does bless me and does give me tender mercies. But we can't base, completely base our testimony on those tender mercies. Because when those miracles run dry, when those tender mercies run dry, as they inevitably will, because it was the whole point of the plan of salvation, when we are called upon to make our Abrahamic sacrifice, if our testimony was completely founded on, oh, well, Christ gives me all these blessings, when everything's gone, we're going to be like, well, maybe Christ isn't real, or maybe he's not powerful like I always believed he was. And so we have to build our foundation on Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? <laughs> what does that actually mean? We hear it all the time. You have to build your testimony on the foundation of Jesus Christ. What does that really mean? I believe that what it really means is developing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that comes through hearing him, through speaking to him and hearing him like President Nelson has asked us to do. When I go to my parents, I am not completely basing my relationship on what my parents can give me. Instead, I go to my parents, I counsel them, we have conversations about what I've done through the day. I ask for advice, I take advice, or I sometimes don't take advice, right? Our testimonies have to be based on a relationship with Jesus Christ and not just on his ability to give us miracles. So there are all sorts of tools that we can use to help build our testimonies and to help our youth and our children build their testimonies. One of those tools 
we can testify that commandments bring blessings. And they do, right? <laughs> Especially when we take a step back and we know that if we keep the commandments, we can receive eternal life. However, when you're young, that can be really difficult to grasp fully because one day we're all going to kind of, I mean, you look around and you're like, well, all these other people aren't following the commandments and they seem very, very happy. And so that can be kind of confusing. We can, we also teach the principle that the Lord protects his his people, right? And if this was completely what Daniel's testimony had been built off of, he probably would have lost his testimony when he had become exiled. Now, don't get me wrong. These things should be things that we're teaching because they are true principles. They are true doctrine. However, I think there is something more powerful that we can be utilizing to teach our youth, to teach our children, to teach ourselves about where we should, where we should be basing our testimonies. So how, how do we teach? How do we teach them to build that relationship? And do we even know, right? Are we spending our lives kind of fumbling around trying to get revelation and sometimes everything lines up and that revelation just kind of happens? Or are we adequately seeking out speaking with the Lord so we can build that relationship? I want you to imagine the power. And this is just one example. There's lots of ways to apply this. This is one example. Imagine the power of walking into a youth Sunday school class. And rather than reading a couple verses, asking a question, instead, having the class collectively come together to ask a question, a real question, whether it's a personal question, a doctrinal question, but a question you can all ask together. And then opening the scriptures to whatever that week's come follow me is, and then starting to read and trying to get people to pull out principles and trying to get the youth to see lines like, oh, well, maybe that's significant. Maybe the Spirit was whispering that to me. I'm going to add it to the discussion, and maybe this will be part of our answer towards this question. And this can be a scary format <laughs> for a youth Sunday school class because it might fail the first time right? Revelation doesn't always come immediately. Sometimes it takes a ton of effort to receive answers to prayers, and sometimes it would seem like, oh, the lesson kind of fell short. That wasn't a very good lesson. But if we can teach our youth that we are practicing with them, that it might not succeed the first time, that we are practicing with them and holding their hand through the entire process of receiving revelation, if we are literally living that process of revelation with them, they can develop that testimony. They can develop that relationship with Jesus Christ so that when they're on their own, they can mimic that process that they learned and they can receive their own answers. The power of this is absolutely incredible because when the blessings disappear, when they run into doubts, which they will in our day and age, or when they are away from home and in the midst of Babylon, they'll know what to do because they've done it before. They did it with you. <laughs> they know the process and they know how to do it on their own. And so when things are confusing or when things are difficult, they'll know exactly how to turn to the Lord so that the Lord can lead them through it even when they don't have you with them. I have been able to apply this in my life. So recently I had a conversation with a friend that I've made who had been into lots of anti-material. And I don't fault her for that. It's fine, <laughs> right? She was trying to save me, and bless her heart for trying to save me. It was very loving that she would want to save me. 
And I've had these conversations plenty of times on my mission throughout the past of people wanting to save me from hell because I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And there have been plenty of times in the past that I have had these conversations and then I've thought back on these conversations and, and thought, well, maybe I am wrong. <laughs> like, I am wrong. I kind of want to know because I don't really want to live eternity in a lake of fire. <laughs> that doesn't sound pleasant. So am I wrong? Is this really the truth, right? And then I lived in Utah for a really, really long time. And so I didn't have as many of those experiences. And then I come out here and I have that experience again. Now, in between these times before I lived in Utah and now that I'm living out of Utah again, I'm having these conversations with people who think I'm going to help. In between that time, I have started to do this blog and this YouTube channel. And I have had to continuously seek out revelation every single week, every single day. I've had to seek that out. And so when I had the conversation this time, when I had this conversation with this friend, I've been pondering over it for a really long time. And every time I ponder, I think about the things that I could have said and none of it really really would have changed. But the thing that sticks out to me, to me the most is I feel like I can bear my testimony to her and be like, if you're worried about my salvation, don't. <laughs> because I know my Savior, Jesus Christ. And we talk all the time and we're good. <laughs> and we can go back and forth in the Bible all that you want and that's fine, I don't really mind that. But I want you to know that I speak to Christ and he speaks back all the time. And I'm not worried because if this was a problem, he would have already told me because he loves me and we talk and I listen. That is the power of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the power that Daniel found in his life, right? When you read through these stories of Daniel, you see how he spoke to the Lord and he was praying to the Lord. And we see how the Lord gave him wisdom and was obviously teaching and leading him along. Daniel had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it was easy to live his beliefs because he knew what the truth was. He knew it. Why would you not live it if you know that the plan of salvation is real? All these blessings we've been offered, when you know it's real, it's why would you live any other way? <laughs> if we can teach ourselves and if we can teach our youth and our children how to really develop that relationship with Jesus Christ, not just to testify about Jesus Christ, but when we can walk them through the process of developing a relationship with Jesus Christ, they're going to be okay because they will turn to him and the Savior will give them exactly what they need. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>